Welcome to Healthy Spine, Happy Life with your host, Dr. Kay Fontana. Over the next hour, Dr. Kay and her guests will provide you with the keys to freedom from back pain without medication or surgery. Now, here is Dr. Kay. Welcome to Healthy Spine, Happy Life. I am Dr. Kay Fontana, the Healthy Spine Coach. And with me today is Jane Kramen of Better Living Solutions. Jane has been practicing in the health and wellness field for over 30 years. She is a nationally board certified health and wellness coach and is trained in functional medicine. Some of the people she has worked and studied with are Aviva Ram, MD, Marianne Williamson, and the Center for Mind-Body Medicine. She also teaches Pilates, yin yoga, qigong, and is a certified life force energy coach. She works in person and remotely with clients and groups. Additionally, she is a licensed massage therapist in the state of Montana, and her niche in the massage world is the John Barnes technique of myofascial release therapy. Welcome to the show, Jane. Thank you very much, Kay. It's great to be here. Oh, it's so great to have you on my show. So when we spoke about today's show, I was so excited that you were going to share your work with myofascial release therapy. So before we go into that, tell tell our listeners, what is fascia? (laughs) Good question. You know, it's taken uh, different, different explanations over the years, but Basically, fascia is a tough connective tissue which spreads throughout your body. And I am talking that it starts at the top of your head. It spreads through every cavern in your body, all the way down to your toes and your feet. It's like it's like a three-dimensional web from your head to your foot, and there are no interruptions or gaps in it. It's an entire sheath that just goes on and on. Now, according to the traditional view of fascia, it was considered uh, really a protective binding layer that wrapped around your organs and muscles and your blood vessels, your arteries and your nerves. And it was like a container that held everything in place. And while that is true, it's not the whole story of fascia. Because as research advanced over the decades and we developed microscopes and various ways to view the internal tissue and structure of the body, this limited view of fascia changed. And it it is now understood that fascia not only surrounds all the component parts of the body, but it actually reaches down into the cellular level of every bone, every organ, every muscle your blood, your nerve vessels, your arteries. So just consider that for a moment, a system that has no breaks in it, that reaches down into the cellular level on every system in your body. Hence, its importance to the working of the body has been recognized. And it's kind of like the the age of fascia at this point. That is fascinating. I had no idea that it surrounded every everything in your body and that it was so not only contained, but um, continuous. And so tell what does the fascial system do? Well, it provides support and stability and cushioning. 
Um, it absolutely does do that, and it's involved in all the aspects of motion, but it does so much more. It's really the most efficient communication system in the body. Because it reaches down onto the cellular level, it, it helps create the flow of nutrition, elimination, metabolism, your lymphatic flow, uh, your blood flow. It's the immediate environment of every cell in the body. You know, we've always kind of considered the skin to be the largest organ in the body. But at this point in time, there are papers and such that say that the fascial system is the largest organ of the body. So because it, it permeates every facet of the body in this one continuous sheath, it's important to get the idea of its role as a communication system of the body. It's constantly responding to our environment, our thoughts, our feelings, uh, and it has an awareness of what it needs, what needs to happen in order for it to heal itself. You know, you have to think of the body not as a system of separate, separate parts, but this continuous structure of sophisticated tissue that, you know, it contains these connections that coordinate and communicate. There's actually a term in the, in the myofascial world called piezoelectricity, which fundamentally means electricity produced by mechanical pressure. And wow. fascia is always moving and responding to pressure, and it conducts electricity. There's actually like a doctor, uh, Irvin Laszlo. He's a philosopher and systems theorist, and he, he stated that the nervous system and the signals that the nervous system transmits it moves at approximately 20 meters per second. And it doesn't really have the capability to carry a large number of varying signals at the same time. Yet we have total evidence that the human organism acts as one and there's an instantaneous communication system that actually works 20 times the speed of light. The oh fluid, my gosh. I know. So the fluid within and around all the tubules of the fascial system, they, they are what carry this instantaneous ener energy and all of this information so we can function as a coordinated, balanced whole. Oh, my gosh, that is fascinating. Yeah. And now, you know, and I've heard more and more people are talking about fascia. And mm -hmm. it's been fascinating because I never heard people didn't talk about it years ago. And now all of a sudden it's one of those buzzwords, you know, about, um, you know, helping the fascia. Yeah. So, you know, I've heard of fascial restrictions. So how, how does one develop fascial restrictions? What is that? Well, let me just give you a little bit on the structure of fascia to start with. Okay. okay. So first of all, there's three divisions of fascia without getting into the actual structure to start with, you have the superficial fascia, which is right under the dermis. So you have your skin, mm -hmm. right under the skin is the dermal tissue. Um, you know, it has blood capillaries and sweat glands and stuff. And the superficial fascia layer is right under that. And then underneath that is what is called deep fascia. And that is the fascial part of the fascial system that surrounds and goes into the cells and into the muscles, bones and nerves, et cetera. But there's another division, which is the deepest fascia, which is found in the dura of the cranial sacral system. Now, what does that mean? 
the crania obviously is your head Mm -hmm. and the sacral is at the bottom of your spine. It goes into your pelvis. So the dura is the tough outermost membrane that envelops the brain and the spinal cord. And the deepest fascia runs into the cells of this membrane and it creates kind of like a super highway from the brain all the way down to your pelvis, kind of getting in the direction of lower back pain and stuff. (laughs) So besides the divisions of fascia, when you're looking at the structure, it's got three parts. It's got these collagen fibers, which are almost, they're as strong as steel. In fact, they're stronger than steel. They can hold 10,000 times their own weight and they have a tension strength of 2,000 pounds per square inch. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And then you have these elastin fibers. Now elastin sounds like elastic and you would be right. They stretch, they absorb shocks. And in between these fibers, you have a ground substance. Human body's about 70% of water and the ground substance, I think if you want an analogy, look at egg whites. Look Mm -hmm. at uh, if you're pulling the skin away from a chicken and you see that kind of clear gelatinous type thing, that's what fascia kind of looks like. Hmm. Now, also these fibers, these collagen and elastin fibers, they they don't follow a set pattern. Uh, in the fascial system. They crisscross every which way. There are actually visuals you can look up online of the fascial system, a living fascial system, and you will see it's like very dynamic and moving in all kinds of different directions. So that is the structure. And when the fascial system is healthy, the ground substance is gel-like and it has the ability to hold it with these fibers, but also to move and be fluid. How do you get restrictions? Anything can create a restriction. Being born, going through the vaginal canal can create a restriction. Obviously, if you have an accident or an injury, there's going to be a shift in the system that creates a tightening, a restriction. You have an operation, you're cutting into the tissue, you're creating a binding thing. Anything that creates an inflammatory response will affect the fascia. Even and it doesn't have to be something dramatic, even even like repetitive motions, someone who's chronically stressed or they have emotional or mental stress that's affecting them adversely. It's going to create an inflammatory response. Getting older, things start seizing up. Any trauma (laughs) or inflammatory process is going to dehydrate that fluid. So on the low end, that gelatin's going to get a little sticky on the high end. You're going to have scar tissue. Oh, wow. Wow. So with the fascial restrictions, how, how do fascial restrictions, let's say affect chronic lower back pain, for instance? Yeah. Well, again, consider this entire system and that the solidity and inability to flow can affect not only your muscles and bones and create physical pain and lack of flexibility, but they can affect your organs and nutrients getting to your organs, elimination, which in turn, it's kind of like this gerbil wheel will also affect things. Now, probably helpful if I give you like a, a, a bit of a picture. Um, let's say you're envision a sweater 
like a long sleeve sweater mm-hmm. and you know it's it's been knitted or crocheted together whatever and let's say up on the r- upper right shoulder you start pulling a piece of yarn and you start really tightening that yarn how does that reverberate through the entire sweater i mean you can mm-hmm. have a ripple effect all the way down to the lower left edge right. you know you pull something in the front, it's constricting something in the back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, if a person has an injury, you know, to their lumbar vertebrae or whatever, you're going to be addressing that. But you also have to look at the fact that even with an injury in your lower back, the fascial system will get restricted there. It's creating intense pressure on pain-sensitive structures, but it's also rippling through the body and it might create symptoms that seem totally disrelated to you. Maybe you get migraine headaches. Maybe you have a twinge in your shoulder. You know, it's like it's, it's not just in that area. And conversely, if you had an injury, let's say in your neck or your shoulder or your upper chest that creates restriction and pulling on that entire system, if that is not released, it could ripple down and create pain in your lower back. So, you know, there's as many ways that a person is affected by fascial restrictions and and lower back pain as there are people who have lower back pain. (laughs) Everybody's got their own, own story of how that developed. And it's also worth it to say that, you know, women in particular, you know, about 90% of people who have lower back pain who I see or other therapists see, they, they have imbalances in their pelvis. And women particularly tend to have even more problems in the pelvic region due mm-hmm. to the anatomy and function right. of their pelvis. You know, they're, they're there for, you know, um, pregnancy and childbirth so it, it it they move quicker they're more susceptible to being a major or minor trauma and you're going to have problems in that even something as innocuous as poor posture can create problems in the fascial system it creates a straight jacket type of response that can create chronic lower back pain that's amazing and your analogy of the sweater painted a perfect picture of how it all works. And I think our listeners really get that, you know, from pulling a a thread on a sweater and how it can affect a different part in the sweater. I think that was an excellent analogy. Yeah. So, so why was the importance of fascia overlooked for so long? Well, you have to look back at history. I mean, when we first started studying anatomy and the structure of the body, ages ago, it was done on dead bodies, on Mm -hmm. cadavers, Mm -hmm. you know, and the fascial system is a very live living organism that is energy. So when a person dies, that energy goes out. So when they started dissecting these cadavers, they wanted to, you know, there was this goo there and it was like, it was kind of in the way of looking at the all important bones and muscles and things that they wanted to look at. So it ended up in the garbage bin. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and it's it's also important to, to realize that um, the pressure that fascia exerts is 
does not show up on standard diagnostic tools like x-rays and CAT scans and MRIs. I mean, obviously, you're going to see the effect on the bones or the organs, but the pressure of the actual fascial restrictions that underlie those visuals is not apparent. So, you know, fascia wasn't really fought with for a very long period of time, though it has been recognized as early as Egypt and certainly, you know, early in the 1900s or whatever, there are people who recognize the importance of the system. But like you said, it's probably most recently in the last 20 years become more of a buzzword. That is fascinating. And, you know, you're talking about cadavers and and dissecting cadavers. I remember doing that um, in paramedic school. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember anything about fascia. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> now you pro- probably ended up in the garbage bin. Uh, probably. <laughs> that whole, that whole process was fascinating. Yeah. So Jane, before we go to break and we might need to continue after break, but can you talk a little bit more about mind body connection um, that is held in the fascial system? Well, that's, that's, that's probably, that's an entire story. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I probably best probably to do that maybe after the break. Well, let's do that. We'll do yeah. that after the break. And so with me, we have Jane Craman of Better Living Solutions, and we will be right back to find out more about the mind-body connection and myofascial release system. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You 
for listening to Healthy Spine, Happy Life. If you have questions for Dr. K or her guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Kay. Welcome back to Healthy Spine, Happy Life. I'm Dr. Kay Fontana, and with me today is Jane Craman of Better Living Solutions. And Jane, we were just about ready to go into the mind-body connection that held that is held in the fascial system. Can you mm-hmm. can you share that with us? No, absolutely, absolutely. Another fascinating subject that's gone through so many different twists and turns over time. I mean, I would consider the grandmama of the mind-body connection being Dr. Candace Pert, mm-hmm. who wrote a book called The Molecules of Emotion, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, really you can geek out in this book. Yes. You know? <laughs> But keeping to the basics, uh, she basically was saying that every cell has a receptor. I mean, think of it almost like a door in a keyhole. It has a receptor and its function is to receive messages. And the messages are transmitted through neuropeptides. Those are the messengers that will travel through the system and go into that keyhole and tell the cell how to react. Now, Conventional medicine always considered that the neuropeptides traveled a direct path from the brain to the cell receptor. But Dr. Candace Pert and other scientists took issue with this. And the basics of her discovery was that the chemical release of neuropeptides happens actually simultaneously through the bottom, through the body, in the immune, the nervous, endocrine, gastrointestinal systems. And all of these systems respond to thoughts and feelings. And she proved that internal information exchange takes place on a molecular level, proving that the brain is not the only communicator or seat of consciousness for a human being. She, She put forth the idea that consciousness actually lies within our entire being and that the body is a reflection of the thoughts and emotions and reacts constantly to our environment and experience. So if you want to take it a step further, there's a doctor, Dr. James Oshman. He showed that cell communications happen throughout the connective tissue or what he called the living matrix, otherwise known as the fascial system. So we have an immense give and take that determines our pain and our physical condition. You know, while an injury or an accident can certainly cause emotions, conversely, our thoughts and emotions can cause responses and restrictions in our fascial system, which can predispose you to injury. Wow. So if you have emotional and mental trauma, then this could actually increase the likelihood that you have fascial restrictions? Absolutely. Without a physical accident? Without a physical accident, because again, that kind of, you know, if, if, if a person is incredibly stressed, there is a change in their physiological system. There is mm-hmm. an inflammatory response. There is a dehydration of that ground substance. It doesn't have to be something as dramatic as, you know, having a, a, a big injury or an operation, just repetitive motions, repetitive stress 
can cause restrictions, which can cause pain all by itself or certainly predispose you to getting that injury later on. Again, you know, there's a lot of ways to get to pain. Wow. That is amazing. That that kind of, um, it, it reminds me of like carpal tunnel syndrome. Is that you know, getting off track of back pain, but that's a repetitive motion with people with their hands. Is that something that may be a myofascial restriction? Absolutely. 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 So now you do myofascial release therapy and can you share with us what that is and the type that you practice and are all forms of myofascial release work the same? No, actually, they're not. Um, I I studied specifically with a physical therapist whose name is John Barnes, and he's considered the grandfather of his brand of myofascial release therapy. He's in his 80s. He's been practicing and teaching therapists for decades. Um, He considers the type of myofascial release therapists may have learned in school as old forms of the work and more correctly terms it as soft tissue mobilization. A lot of people, when they think of myofascial work, they think of deep tissue work, like Mm -hmm. the therapist is there with their elbows or their this or, you know, using their fists to really get in there and you know, to force the system and try to get it to release. Things like rolfing or trigger therapy or various other names could be used with that type of myofascial technique. But Barnes, interestingly enough, um, he doesn't do it that way. The main difference is that he makes the point that the fascial system is not going to respond to force. You have to move the system, but forcing it is counterintuitive. And, you know, really think about this from a nervous system perspective. You know, you have your autonomic nervous system and you have two parts. You have your sympathetic nervous system. I always go sympathetic S for stress. So that's your fight and flight system, right? And, you know, if you have to run, if you have to get away from danger, if you're upset, that's the system that's engaged. Um, The next one is your parasympathetic nervous system. I always use the P for peace. And that's the one that is engaged when you're relaxing, when you're digesting, when you're sleeping, when you're healing. So Barnes makes the point that if you're causing pain with your manipulation as a therapist, you're not engaging the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system. You know, the person's going to be bracing against the pain so the body is not in a state where it can heal. So the type of myofascial work that I do is it's almost like you're settling your hands into the tissue of the person, almost like you're settling them into clay and you move and you find which which direction has the most restriction and you settle your hands into that first barrier and you hold it long enough and it will release and then you can move it a little bit more. The movements in the myofascial release work that I do, you hold for up to five minutes. And only at that point will the system start to reconfigure. Those collagen fibers that are so strong are not going to release unless they have that constant, firm, consistent pressure for a long enough period of time. 
That's amazing. So it sounds like it's more of a gentle approach. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, as a massage therapist, this is good news for me because I got to tell you, you know, if you're working on bodies all day long and you're like exerting extreme pressure all the time, most of them, most my, most therapists burn out. <laughs> right. And this is much more an intuitive and really working with those tissues and firm. I mean, it's, it's, you do cause firm pressure, but it's, it's not as aggressive as what one might imagine. It would seem like someone who was doing more aggressive myofascial release therapy would actually need myofascial release therapy <laughs> after the end of a day, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And many of them do. And that's why, you know, they don't last that long in the profession. I mean, for me, uh, you know, I consider I'll be able to do this work forever, mm -hmm. you know? forever, really. Wow. That's fascinating. I, I like the idea of gentle, because when I, when um, you came to me with myofascial release therapy. I thought, oh, okay, that sounds really intense. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is intense because a lot of things can happen, you mm -hmm. know, because you have to go back to this mind-body connection. You know, it's like if the body is a reflection of your emotions and your mind, what is contained in that tissue can bring up stuff for people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I can see that. Now, if, if someone were to come to you with lower back pain, mm -hmm. um, what preparatory work would they need for, um, for a session? And what would a session actually look like? Well, it's, that's, it's a great question because this is very much a cooperative endeavor. You know, um, I never look at someone that I'm working at like I am going to fix them. Mm -hmm. you know? I have to educate them on what the fascial system is. I mean, I'm not going to go all science nerd on them, but I want them to become more aware of what they feel, okay? Mm -hmm. Because most people are not really landed in their bodies, not really. Mm -hmm. you know? And when someone comes to me, I mean, obviously, I'm going to get the standard health history. I'm going to find out what, you know, uh, if they've had operations, what kind of injuries they've had, all that sort of thing to, you know, get the full picture and any input from their health care contacts. I also would do a visual assessment. I would have the person stand and I would look at their body from every angle, the purpose being is one shoulder lower than the other one? Is one hip hiked up? Are they twisted? You know, when you look at them from the side, is their head forward? Do they have a sway back? You can tell a lot just by a visual assessment and get an idea of where there may be restrictions. When they first lie down on the table on their back, I would meet the those little bony protruded points on your ankles and see if their legs are the same length. Mm -hmm. And again, going back, especially for women, that a lot of uh, there's a lot of pelvic torquing or twisting. One of those first things I usually do is to even that out. So the legs are the same length so that the twist in the pelvis gets fixed, you know, gets set back into place. And then 
If a person has lower back pain, they have an injury there, I may well start there, but I might not end up there. Why Mm -hmm. I say I want someone to really land in their body is because I want them to work with me. When I start sinking my hands in and going against the restriction and letting that release happen, if the person is really in their body and paying attention, they may say to me, oh my God, I can feel that in my toe, or oh my God, I feel that in my in my neck, or I got this sensation up in my chest. Or even their body might have vasodilation. They might they might light up like a Christmas tree, you know, something may turn red in a different section of the body. And I know that that's where I need to go next, even though they're coming to me for lower back pain. Hmm. Wow, that's that's interesting because you could see it. You can actually see the results of it in other parts of the body that are unrelated to, well, indirectly related to the back pain. That's right. Wow. That's right. And they're very directly related. I mean, again, it's a continuous system. You know, that restriction there is going to be pulling and rippling all the way down there. So, you know, you have to you have to release the entire system. So, yes, we may start with the person's complaint, but you're going to through their awareness, their communication, your connection with them, and what you visually observe with their body, you may end up in all kinds of different areas. Wow. So what do you consider the most important thing for a therapist in a session? Oh, I think that's probably the most most important thing as a therapist, most important thing as a human being is to trust your intuition. You know, mm. it, it's almost like when I first started studying with John Barnes, you know, who was trained as a, as a traditional physical therapist. He said, everything that you learned in massage school, throw out the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, what? <laughs> he, you know, you know, he, he, he makes the point that most of us are operating from a very linear mental viewpoint, like A plus B equals C, you know, mm-hmm. like, where's the predictability? Where's this, you know, and we're not really trusting our gut, trusting our intuition and listening to that. If you do trust your gut, if you do trust your intuition when I enter a therapy room to work on someone, he also made a point that I always loved. He said, if you're going in there with a predetermined set thing you have in mind that you're going to do to this person, you're not a therapist. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense because you have to look at the whole picture. You have to look at the whole picture and every day is a different day, you know? I'm sure. And just being mindful of what else is going on in the body and, and watching those not only visual cues, but even auditory cues of how the patient is responding to their, to their treatment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's like, and I have to be very sensitive with my hands. Where is that restriction? You know, has that released? Have I hold it, held it long enough? Where am I going to go next? Uh, it's been an amazing experience to work with people with this, with this modality because the more you work with them, the more stuff comes up and 
more releases happen. And I really feel that, you know, if you, if you do standard massage, you may roll through those things, but again, you're not allowing that system to reconfigure naturally. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's important to have patience and to be there, to be present. Present. Exactly. Now, how often should someone get a myofascial release session? You know, that varies. I mean, I would say if someone has, you know, um, what we all do have restrictions, Uh it's it's best to get consistent work. If you could do it a couple times a week or three times a week. I mean, I, I went when I did my internship at one of the myofascial centers, I actually did an intensive where I was getting four hours of therapy a day. Wow. And I would say that, you know, you do it that intensively, you feel the ripple effect of the system reconfiguring uh, sometimes weeks, even a month after that. I mean, once you you get some things like under control, you know, once a week, once every couple of weeks, that would be that would be awesome. But certainly to begin with, the more the more treatment you could get to begin with, you know, you're really getting that system tuned up. Well, that sounds that sounds like a an excellent idea to probably really address it up front and and then maybe decrease over time yes. as as things start to release. Yes, excellent. and there's al- there's always homework that you give people as well because there are things there are, you know, exercises or ways of doing various things that a person can do at home that supports this kind of work. Awesome. So we are going to take a break, a quick break, and um, please come back and join us with Jane Craman with Better Living Solutions, talking about myofascial release therapy. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a woman suffering from chronic back pain due to a work-related injury? Women in emergency services, police, fire, medical, and healthcare run the risk of back injuries due to the intense physical demands of their job. Tune into Healthy Spine, Happy Life, which focuses on holistic and natural alternatives to healing back pain, such as energy medicine, functional nutrition, qigong, aromatherapy, and more. Join host Dr. Kay Fontana and her guests for their discussions centered around proven practices that will change the course of back pain into vibrant health and energy without medication or surgery. Healthy Spine, Happy Life, Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Healthy Spine, Happy Life. If you have questions for Dr. K or her guests, join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with K. Welcome back to Healthy Spine, Happy Life. This is Dr. K. Fontana, the Healthy Spine Coach. And with me is Jane Craman with Better Living Solutions. And we have been talking about myofascial release therapy and specifically the John Barnes method. So, Jane, can you tell me um, where can someone find someone trained in myofascial release therapy by John Barnes, by the John Barnes method? Well, he, there's a site for the John Barnes method, which is simply called myofascialrelease.com. Wow, that's or, easy. That's simple. <laughs> so if you go there, you it should take you right to his site, and it says John F. Barnes. It has his picture. Fantastic site, you know, that has a lot of research papers, does a lot of explanation. It also has a tab where you can put in your zip code and you can see who is in their directory that has done training and how much training they've done with him. So that is definitely one, you know, one avenue to go down to try to find a, you know, a therapist who's been trained in this method. Oh, that's excellent. So can, can myofascial release therapy be used with other modalities? Absolutely. I mean, nothing is ever the be all and end all of everything. It's like the body systems all work together, you know, different modalities work together as well. But certainly myofascial release is going to complement anything else that you're doing and really support that and maybe even make it, dare I say, more effective. What other modalities can you think of that would work really well with it? Um, acupuncture, um, uh, physical therapy, uh, even if you're on an exercise program, uh, even if you're doing some kind of nutritional handlings or whatever you want. I mean, think about it. We take so many supplements, we change our diet, but if we have restrictions in our system, that's going to prevent those nutrients from reaching the cells. What are we doing? Exactly. (laughs) I agree with that. So can you give us an anecdotal treatment story? Yeah, I could. Um, Well, I'm going to give you this one because it kind of hit me the hardest and it was early in my training. Um, I, I went to, you know, to get trained in this method and stuff. And, you know, you get paired up with someone and you, you listen to him lecturing and he does demonstrations and he gives you the science and then you work on each other. And the a person I was working with had been, uh, you know, a massage therapist for many years and was very skeptical of this as a modality, which I think is healthy. I mean, you don't always just hook, line and sink or believe everything. Mm-hmm. So you know, she, I would work on her. And it was so interesting because every time I worked on her, her neck would get pink. 
And he talked about, you know, how you look for that. And I would ask her and she said, oh, no, 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 you know, I'm menopausal. This happens all the time, you know, so many times a day. It's it's not not anything. But every time I was working on her, it it would go. So probably, I mean, we worked intensively on each other for a number of days for an entire week to two weeks and probably about two thirds of the way through our time together, I'm working on her one day and it lights up like a Christmas tree and she starts crying. Oh my. And I'm like, what is going on? And as it turns out, she had been the victim of domestic abuse and her ex had choked her. (gasps) Oh my goodness. And she wasn't clocking with it, you know, as I was working on different parts of her body, but it's like, that is where the emotional input, that mind-body connection changed that system, created restrictions in that system. And it was affecting, she would have never thought that that was affecting her hip, which is what she complained about the most. But you know, it's just a very, a very potent example of what can happen. Wow. That is amazing. That gave me chills when you told me that. Yeah. That gave me chills witnessing it. I'm sure just being a witness to that and finding out, you know, after all that time, realizing what the cause of her her change in skin color around her neck that was affected by that domestic abuse. That is, that is fascinating. That really supports that whole mind body connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now I've heard a term called unwinding. Can you mm-hmm. explain what that is and how it fits in with myofascial release therapy? Yeah. Unwinding is fascinating, you know, and sometimes I've worked with people where this, this kind of, happens when you at the beginning of working with them and some people it doesn't happen for a long long period of time it doesn't have to but basically again you are really trying to access this mind body connection really get all of this pent up energy out of the system and sometimes when you are working on someone with this this approach the person may feel that they need their body to move a certain way. So you might be working, let's say on their lower back and all of a sudden they start, their body starts moving or they start contracting or they start rolling up into a ball. This natural reaction and a person would really have to feel safe enough and have enough of the modality, enough understanding and being able to let go enough Mm -hmm. to let that happen. When that happens, that's called unwinding. And it's fascinating because I have worked with people who have ended up in like contortions on the table that are like ridiculous. Like how did they get in that position? And it ended up that they were in that position when they were in their car accident, or that's oh. how they landed when they had their, you know, it's like, think about it. If, if you, if you have enough of an impact to create that much damage with the body, you usually end up kind of twisted. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when someone is 
really, you're really kind of in the zone working with them with myofascial release work. They will let go and the body will start moving and you let them, you support them with that movement because again, it's just releasing the restrictions and they will go into different body positions and stuff where they they were when they were originally injured or experienced whatever it is they're needing to release. Oh my gosh. The more you talk about it, the more I am so fascinated with this and and how how our bodies work and how they they do things that we don't understand and but there's an explanation behind it. That, yes. that is amazing. Now, are there other things that can be done to help the fascial system release if one doesn't have access to or can't afford to work with a therapist? Yes. Yes, there definitely are. There's actually, you know, there's, uh, I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but there's actually a therapist who wrote a book about, you know, self-treatment. And any time that I've worked with myofascial therapists for myself as a client, um, they give me homework, you know, uh, that again, you want to approximate what this modality does. So let me give you an example of that. Um, I'll give you two examples. One of them is, uh, well, there's yoga, but there's a particular, the particular branch of yoga called yin yoga. So, you know, most yoga comes from the Indian tradition, like Hatha yoga and, mm -hmm. and many that you'll find in studios. Yin yoga comes more from a traditional Chinese medicine um, trajectory. And it's, it's working with the energy meridians of the body uh, that, you know, an acupuncturist works with and that, that sort of thing. And these travel through the fascial system. Now, the difference with yin yoga is that you get into positions that, uh, you know, that you're working on, but you support your body so that you let gravity do the work and you hold the position for a long period of time, like three to five minutes, which again, mm -hmm. is similar to what you would do in a myofascial release when you are, are going up against a restriction. So you're giving the body the time to release that area. And you're not using muscular strength to do it. You're trying to relax into it so that gravity does the work. And so that in terms of yoga probably most approximates myofascial release work that I do. Another example is you can get on Amazon myofascial release balls. They're like four inches in diameter. And you can put that ball between you, like let's say your, your lower back hurts, your lower back in the floor, your lower back in the wall. If, you're, if your mid back hurts, you in the wall, you in the floor. And you find that area of tension that the ball sinks into. And again, you find it and you hold it. Again, you have to hold it for a long enough period of time in order to get that system to start to release. Even if you were using a roller and, uh -huh. you know, on your lower back, a lot of times we roll through. It's like, okay, I'm going to roll through it. Well, what you're really looking to do if you want to do home care from this perspective is you would find the area that is sore, that is tense, and hold it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. 
So well, these, these are examples of things that you can do that approximate the work that are definitely beneficial to do. Oh, that's excellent. So people can do that on their own if they if they don't have access to a therapist. Absolutely. And I have never heard of yin yoga. So I'm going to look into that. Oh, yeah. I do yin yoga classes, uh, you know, and it, it's always funny because people are so like power yoga and fast. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, what kind of training is required to practice this? Well, you know, you have to have a license to touch, right? You know, if you're a myofascial release therapist, so you have to get your regular massage license. Um, but again, as John Barnes said, forget that. You uh-huh. know? <laughs> so you go and you do his training, you know, there's myofascial release one, two, three, you know, there's various courses. There's one that, you know, focuses on the the cranial sacral connection, the pelvic connection, women's health, uh, you know, and you can, you repeat these courses, you go and, and, you know, you do the various training with the different courses that he offers. And uh, it's also suggested that you intern and you get a lot of therapy yourself so that you really understand what it feels like and what it can do. I mean, after I had done, uh, several courses and stuff. I went, there's two centers. One is in um, Sedona in Arizona. Oh, that's close by. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you me. should check it out. You should check it out. And another one's in Pennsylvania, in Malvern, Pennsylvania. And uh, a lot of my family is on the East Coast. I ended up going to Malvern for uh, a few weeks and I got intensive therapy myself. And then I worked with the therapist for a number of weeks on clients. So it's a skills a skills training for a therapist as well after you've done various courses. And you, you know, you stay abreast of it and, and you, you know, you stay connected with other therapists and you continue to, you know, to up your skills and stuff by going to courses. You can repeat your skills training uh, because the more you do, the more you've experienced and maybe the more questions or, you know, the more you want to hone how efficient you are in what you do. Oh, that's excellent. So now how can listeners contact you about working with you? Well, I mean, Certainly, I mean, it's difficult for me to do myofascial release remotely. Right, exactly. <laughs> if they, but if, if they they're come, in, the, in your neighborhood. <laughs> if they're in my neighborhood in Montana or sometimes I'm in Brooklyn. But my, uh, you know, my my email is jane, J-A-Y-N-E, at betterlivingsolutions.org. And my website is betterlivingsolutions.org. So you can contact me, ask me any questions, um, if I can help you in any way. Again, I, I will work with yin yoga with people with this, you know? Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jane. It has been a pleasure having you on my show. And I am so fascinated with this technique. And I'm sure our listeners are too. Thank you so much for being here. And stay tuned for next week, same time, 1 p.m. Pacific for Healthy Spine, Happy Life. This is Dr. Kay Fontana. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Healthy Spine, Happy Life. 
We hope today's show has helped you learn to manage your back pain or help heal it. Tune in next week for more proven methods. Until then, have a fantastic week. 